Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Good morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Wednesday, March 30th, 2022. I am Dave Biddle. I am very happy to be joined by Matt Baxendale. A lot to get into, Bax. Let's start with Cade Stover flip-flopping for the, what, the 14th time already during his Ohio State career from uh, linebacker to tight end. Okay, maybe I'm exaggerating a little bit. Man, I, I thought after the Rose Bowl, he had found a home at linebacker. Boy, was I wrong. I think it's a combination of factors. There's a numbers crunch at linebacker. They're only going to start two linebackers. Um, sounds like there was at least four guys ahead of him, um, you know, maybe more. <laughs> and, you know, and they need depth at tight end, and they need better blockers at tight end. So it's a combination of factors there. What are your thoughts when you uh, heard this news yesterday that Kate Stover has moved back to tight end? Yeah, yo-yo Stover going back and forth here. It's crazy. Uh, I, I think – I think a little there's a little bit of a skew here from people seeing him in the Rose Bowl last year and thinking, all right, look at that guy. He played respectable on defense. We got to keep him at linebacker. Reality is, is if we have a, a reasonable defense, like I think most of us expect to this year, then it's okay to move a guy like Cade Stover back to tight end where there's a significant more need. I mean, what do we have? We have G Scott, and then you've got uh Rossi, who's essentially a fullback that we're trying to squeeze into a tight end. And what do we have after that? Some freshmen, we have Sam Hart, we have Joe Royer. Are they not doing their, their job? Are they not developing as well as they could? That's a real possibility. At the end of the day, I think a lot of us think that Stover might be a better linebacker, but there's a lot more guys who can play linebacker. And I think the position of need at this point is really going to be tight end. Because, like I said, Rossi's not really a tight end. He's a fullback that we're able to use a little bit here and there. And... I think this is just that this is where the team needs him at situation. And if Stover's fine with it, then so be it. Uh, I guess I was a little surprised, too, to see it happen. But at the end of the day, you know, this is the time of year you have to move guys to different positions. And if the defense really is improved, then you keep your guy who was at tight end all year last year there anyways. You don't need to have him bounce back and forth a la Zach Bourne. Yeah, and for those that are wondering, I heard some people saying, oh, now is Kate Stover mad? Is he going to transfer? It's like, no, they – they wouldn't have done this if he wasn't on board with it, is what I was told. Um, you know, and then Ryan Day made that clear when he spoke with the media yesterday. Um, I'm, I'm hearing Kate Stover's on board with this. That, you know, he wants to play. And he knows if he's moving back to tight end, he's he's not moving back to tight end to be the third string tight end. He's he's going to be the, the kind of the co-starter there, you know, with whoever. Whether you consider Mitch Rossi the co-starter, sometimes G. Scott Jr. is going to be in there. Um, those are going to be the three main tight ends, in my opinion. Um, so that's, you know, for those that are wondering, Kate Stover's not mad about this. He, he now feels like if he's going to make it to the NFL, maybe tight end is his spot. He can be like a Luke Farrell type, 
who for those that forget just last year, Luke Farrell was the first pick of the fifth round. That's not too bad for a tight end, uh, no. especially a block first tight end. And, and you got, you know, Luke Farrell actually was underrated athletically. Like he could just stand under the basket and just dunk with two hands. Now he has six foot six. So that helps. Kate Stover's athletic as well. So I think, you know, he could carve out himself a role and be a future NFL tight end, but, you know, forget about that for a second. How much can you help the Buckeyes at tight end, Bax? Well, and that's the other thing, too, is is that this is a spot that's just it's a sheer need, right? We don't know how well G. Scott can block. We don't know how 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 well that Mitch Rossi is going to be able to hold up to a constant grind at tight end versus fullback. The reality is it's a position where, you know, people get hurt. Like, it's a big, bad physical sport, and you don't want to have just two guys that are available. And sometimes you get lucky and people don't get injured, don't get banged up, and you're in a great spot. But at the end of the day, you're going to need that depth. So OSU needs him there. That's the truth. I mean, we could talk about the linebackers all day. And you could say, all right, well, I can understand why Cade Stover isn't going to be there because of the depth they have at the linebacker position. Tight end, you don't have that depth, especially if, if for the third tight end, you're either relying on incoming freshmen, a guy in Sam Hart who hasn't seen the field yet, or a third-year guy in Joe Royer who, you know, eventually has to, to show he can do something but we haven't seen anything from him entering his third season now. So, and I think that, that a move like this indicates the staff doesn't think either of those guys are ready. So I think that that's just a spot. For, this is the best opportunity for Cade Stover to help the team. And by the way, like you said, OSU has a long track record of tight ends that end up being draft picks. I mean, it, it's, it's not just, just Farrell. I mean, think about Nick Vanette was another guy who was one of those style of players where you're like, oh, he's a great blocker. He's a great blocker. He's drafted in the NFL and he was in the league for four years, right? So I'm sure Stover's going to do all the work he can to put it on his hands to make sure that he's a reliable safety valve whenever he does leak out to, to catch passes. But, you know, he's, he's, for him, being able to be a solid blocking tight end and building himself into that role is, is, I think, the brightest future for him in the NFL and for the, the part of him getting on the field for the team. And yeah. by the way, talking yeah. about people being angry, he wants to play. He wants to play. And this is how he gets on the field. Yeah, yeah, he's completely on board with it. I mean, I, one thing I love about Ryan Day with stuff like this is – if Kate Stover was completely against it and wanted to stay at linebacker, they would have let him. They would have let him. This wasn't like a dictatorship. Um, you know, Ryan Day made it clear if Cade, you know, didn't want to do this, we would not have done it. Um, I, I love this here. Um, you know, uh, by the way, it's it's Matt Baxendale. A lot, a lot of people call him Max because it, it, conflating the two. But we have a comment here from a YouTube Viewer saying, been listening to Max for years, never saw him. Who knew he was such a handsome dude? I mean, I I knew he was such a handsome dude. But Max, Max, your friend's out there. It's Matt Baxendale. Bax, it's all the OSU flags behind me makes me look better. That's your, all. Your fans out there are now seeing how handsome you are. So they're, they're, My face that's made for radio, course. baby. Well, made for podcast. Made for video podcasts, apparently. Um, <laughs> all right, so... Um, let's get into Jack Sawyer. Um, this kind of ties with the Kate Stover stuff because there were idiots out there predicting that Kate Stover was going to be the Jack in Jim Knowles' defense. I don't know who would do that. Uh, yeah, just complete idiots. Um, uh, <laughs> whatever. I mean, you know, you, you, sometimes you're right, sometimes you're wrong. Uh, I'm usually more the latter, but, you know, whatever. Um, I really did. I thought, you know, Kate Stover kind of fit what, you know, uh, that role brought to the table and when we met with Jim Knowles not the first time but the second time we met with him yesterday as well but when we met with him a few weeks ago right before spring he said unprompted 
Cade Stover could be a guy that would morph into that role. Not so much. Um, he's obviously uh, playing tight end. But I, you know, Jack Sawyer sounds like he's going to be the guy there. Now, that's not official. I'm, I'm reading between the lines there. I'm also hearing that from sources. But I think Jack Sawyer is going to be the starter there. Um, you know, Jim Knowles mentioned him there, said he is repping there a little bit. Uh, mentioned uh, Mitchell Melton is there as well. Some other guys are getting a look. Javante Jean Baptiste. Even mentioned Caden Curry, the true freshman. I don't think he's going to play a lot as a true freshman, but at least he's repping there a little bit. Maybe even EA Natiote is going to be repping there a little bit. Um, your thoughts on, I think Jack Sawyer would be great as the starter there. Your thoughts on perhaps Jack Sawyer being the Jack fittingly. Yeah, they better call the position Jack if it's him, right? So otherwise it'd be really confusing. Uh, I, I, I think, A, as long as Jack Sawyer's on the field significantly, I'm perfectly fine wherever they put him. We just need a lot more of him than we saw last year. I, I'm a little surprised, but only a little bit, because I, I do think you talked about a guy like Mitchell Melton, and his skill set fits really well into that role. Uh, I also think, and for, for people who aren't familiar with what the, this position is supposed to be in the defense, Imagine if we were just allowed to put Baron Browning going after the quarterback the whole time. That's kind of what you're looking for, this position. Yeah. And moving him around a lot. Yeah. Yeah. There's even yeah. times – usually they're coming off the edge. Knowles is such a mad scientist. I've been watching a film of, like, Oklahoma State. I haven't gone back and watched Duke. And really, he even says Oklahoma State is really more – it continues to evolve over the years. He'll even sometimes put the jack right over the nose guard. Yeah. <laughs> me, right, right over the center, excuse me. Right over that, that one gap. He'll, sometimes – I mean, not very often. But you want to talk about mixing it up? Sometimes he'll put him right over that center. Um, I just love how he moves him around. It's a jack of all trades, hence the name. You, you know, Oklahoma State. Yeah, go Oklahoma ahead. Oklahoma State. I remember watching games last year with them, even before we knew Jim Knowles was an OSU opportunity. There are times where there's like one guy down, and then the rest of the like the front seven are just moving around, and you don't know where they're at, and then all of a sudden, boom, they attack. It's like a cloud. So. I, you know, you have to have some of that ability to move these guys around. Uh, I think it's just part of their natural, like, consider it a defensive pre-snap motion. That makes it hard for them to recognize who the middle linebacker is for the quarterback, what the blocking assignments are. I really think it's going to be a, a, a really interesting way to watch an OSU defense that we're very used to being in a more rigid, regimented way. But, yeah, moving Jack Sawyer around to get him a good matchup anytime you want is a great plan. I'm on board with that. Uh, I think Jack Sawyer is going to thrive wherever they put him. And as long as you get him and you get JTT and Tyleek Williams on the field as much as possible, I'm not going to complain one bit about it. But I do think it's a really interesting way for them to essentially say, look, Jack Sawyer is a really good athlete. So we're going to move him around. We're not just going to have him pigeonholed into a certain role. I think he'll do excellent at it. I think Melton's the kind of guy who will excel at that role too, based on the skill set we saw him having before he got to OSU, though obviously we haven't really got to see him on the field yet. He's a guy I'm excited about that. And I, I, I do think that that JJB is going to be a guy who could do this too. I mean, Gene Baptiste is a guy, if you look at some of the role that he performed throughout his time here at OSU, he's one of those maybe not quite as big but fairly explosive guys. If you get him into favorable matchups in that role, he could, he could thrive there too. So I think that this is a good use of some of the talent on hand. And I'm sure Knowles walked in and watched the first month of practices from above because he can't couldn't help participate but once um you know once he was able to like actually get his hands on these guys for formal practices after coming out of winter conditioning I, i'm sure he was sitting there going all right i already looked at you you and you and i'm going to try you guys at this position and we're going to see who pans out so if it's jack sawyer that means jack sawyer is the guy 
who has actually shown it. Because I think we were going to have him somewhere in the starting D-line no matter what. Putting him into this role just shows you how Jim Knowles' mad scientist role, or mad scientist sort of thought process has resulted in taking a five-star defensive end and turning him into this kind of role. And by the way, it's only going to help him for the NFL, so he's not going to complain. Yeah, and after the podcast, I would recommend getting on to bucknuts.com if you haven't already and read our piece that we posted last evening, really last, you know, yesterday afternoon on Jim Knowles. It's bullet point. Um, you know, he spoke with us for about a half hour. We also have the full video of Jim Knowles' press conference. I mean, a lot of good stuff in there. And again, we have a, a bullet point recap um, of that press conference. One more thing that I really liked from um, the Jim Knowles defense or the Jim Knowles press conference that I want to point out, a lot of Buckeye fans – I think we're rightly concerned about saying things like, you know, I love everything I'm hearing about Jim Knowles, except for one thing. Yes, this 4-2-5 worked well in the Big 12. What about when Ohio State plays Wisconsin? What about when they play Michigan? What about when they play teams that like to run the ball? It, it, you know, shouldn't we have three linebackers out there? Is this, you know, too many DBs, you know, are we not going to be physical enough in the run game? Well, great news. I mean, if you're worried about that, which I, I thought that was a legitimate concern. I mean, the Big 12 and the Big 10, are very different. Um, Did you watch the end of the Michigan game last year where we stayed in a 4-2-5 and all they wanted to do was run the damn ball? Yeah, I have a fair concern. I like that Tyleek Williams got two plays in the Michigan game last year. Wait, I did not like that. That was, At least we know that that was a really was. smart decision, yeah. Let's sit our best defensive interior lineman for the whole freaking game. I, and I know I know the excuse now is Dude. he wasn't in good enough condition to play a lot of snaps. Okay, that's fine. He wasn't in condition to play a lot of snaps. I, I bet he could have played more than two. Yeah, um, he, you don't want to play him fifty-two snaps. Maybe play him twenty-two snaps. Let's not even talk. Let's not. Why? Why did? Let's not even talk. About why are we even talking about that? Let's talk about every. Let's talk about pretty much every other Ohio State Michigan game this century, um, except for that one. Um, That's the only one they're going to talk about until twenty thirty, Dave. So you uh, know, well, there you go. Every ten years, maybe it'll happen. Uh, that's been the pattern. All right. So what they're going to do when they play power running teams? When when they're facing an offense that's let's say in 12 personnel, meaning two tight ends on the field, they're going to add a Sam linebacker on the field to go along with the Mike, to go along with the Will. Um, so they are not married to a 4-2-5. It will be the base, but they will move to a traditional 4-4, um, four, four, uh, uh, excuse me, a 4-3-4. Four, four. And the two players manning the Sam linebacker, Reed Carrico and EA Natiote, and they, you know, Jim Knowles really likes Reed Carrico going into his second year, going to be a redshirt freshman. Um, he's added some weight, um, looking great out there. A uh, kid that was a complete baller at Ironton, smaller school, but really good high school football still. And yeah, he was an absolute stud there from his sophomore year on, maybe his freshman year on. So I like that Reed Carrico um, is going to be that Sam. And also Natiote is going to be, you know, right there with Reed Carrico. You know, Jim Knowles did say back, so we've, we need to find a role for EA on this defense. EA also can play a little bit of that jack, but it sounds like Sam is going to be his main thing. Reed Carrico and EA going at it at that Sam linebacker. I like that development. Yeah, I agree, and I think that fits both of them really well with their skill sets. Carrico is a guy that I, I think most of us thought that within a year or two of him getting to OSU, he was going to be a pretty big contributor. He just he had that work ethic that made you feel like the kid was going to adjust really well to college football. And when you come out of a place like Ironton and you're as highly rated as you are, it means you're an utterly dominant player at that level because that isn't quite the highest level of college sports. So, or I mean, high school sports. So I, I think 
Carrico getting on the field, look, this is a guy. He's an old school kind of Big Ten linebacker. It was the first look you take at him, right? He's one of those guys that wants to get you inside the tackles and level you. So I, I love to hear that Carrico is getting on the field. He's the kind of guy that would thrive against the Wisconsin or that school up north for the remaining time that Harbaugh is still there. And look, you need to have physicality. We can talk about how this game is morphing into a track meet and how fast 4-4 these receivers all are and how the, the running backs catch the ball out of the backfield and the quarterbacks are you know distributing with pinpoint precision. At the end of the day, it's guy meets guy. One guy drags the guy to the ground or not. That's the basis of this sport is can you be more physical than your opponent? Can you get leverage on your opponent? Can you beat blocks and get to the football? Those guys can do that. And I don't think that's going to be lost here. And, and that's one thing that, you know, I think we all need to remember is, is that people talk about this Knowles defense. They think it's a 4-2-5 and they immediately panic because our most recent 4-2-5 experience was that disaster game that we mentioned earlier that we shouldn't even talk about where there was no philo philosophy in what they were doing, no game recognition of the situation, none of that. Knowles wouldn't have had the number three defense in the country at Oklahoma State last year if he was just as blindly married to a system. It doesn't work like that. And frankly, if you've listened to the guy talk, you realize how smart he is. And I know right now we're all in the honeymoon phase. Like, wow, we have the defensive coordinator who actually has thoughts on how to deploy his players versus just hoping. But I really do think he's going to get it. And I, I think everything indicates right now that Ohio State's not going to have an issue of physicality. They'll be a better tackling team. And he's not going to be dumb and run a 4-2-5 against Scani when they've got a 12 or a 13 set on the field. So I think we'll be all right. What else? Kind of a broad question here. We'll finish the show with this. Anything else has stood that has stood out to you offensively, defensively, anything from the coaches, players, personnel moves? What else has kind of uh, really caught your attention this spring so far for, after six practices? We're about halfway through already. Yeah, we're about halfway through. Can't wait to get to the spring game when we can all have a full wide open view on this. So, you know, it's been interesting to to, to kind of hear a little bit about some of the other receivers that are coming up because right now we know that JSN is the big guy, right? But you're hearing about Jaden Ballard. You're hearing about some of these other guys that are kind of stepping up in their role. We're going to have a constant argument as to who the number two, three, and four, and five receiver is, I think, all the way to September. Um Another thing I think that's really interesting to see here is how the offensive line is shaking out. I think a lot of us originally thought that uh, that Harry Miller is going to be a part of this, and obviously for very legitimate reasons, he's not part of the football team right now. Um, I'm interested to see how Donovan Jackson looks, and is he going to snag that one of that start, starting guard spots? This is a big-time guy coming he out will. of Texas. He will. They I think him. so, too. Yeah. I think so, too. And that's a good sign, though, because it means yeah. we're going to have two true guards on the field this year. And that wasn't something we did last year at all. We didn't have a single true guard on the field for a lot of last year with that four tackle formation. Now with Jackson and Jones, we're getting back to looking what an offensive line is supposed to look like. And that's going to help with a lot of that leverage and push inside that we didn't get last year. So to me, that's, it's not necessarily a surprise, but I'm happy we're hearing and seeing it. We have one question to get to, and then we'll finish the show. Let's see. Did Mick and the strength and conditioning staff do anything different this winter as compared to other years in response to the team up north game? You know what? <laughs> I think that they just ratcheted up the intensity. What I've heard is while they were working out, he reminded them all the time about them losing that game, like all the time. And keep in mind, Mick, since he arrived at Ohio State, had lost to that team zero times. 
he was uh, not very jazzed about that, and he reminded these guys throughout winter conditioning. So I think basically he stuck with his guns, but just maybe like ramped it up a little bit. I would have max? been the I'd have been the biggest a hole the whole winter to those guys. Oh, are you tired? Yeah, like you were in the fourth quarter. Yeah, the yeah. whole time they would have hated me by the end of the year. You're gonna push yourselves so you don't lose to Michigan again like you did this year. Hey guys, how was it having a failed season last year? Oh, I'd been all over the whole time. Those guys are going to be so ready to murder Michigan by the time that they get to that game because Mick's going to be in their ears for another six months. This is how it should be, by the way. It should be absolutely miserable. It should be absolutely miserable so that your entire core and the entire focus of the program is we've had enough of this. Let's go. That's exactly right. Um, we've actually had enough of this podcast, so let's go. Um, let's go. We got our day to get this to. Is a, this is a good 20-minute podcast here. Um, Dan Rubin, Bill Curlick, and Mark Porter will be coming your way tomorrow on the podcast. And then on Friday's podcast, J-Book's taking the week off. I'll be joined by Brian Schottenstein and Cardale Jones on Friday. to Talk about the foundation, name, image, and likeness, what they can do to help Ohio State, um, and can't wait to talk to Brian Schottenstein and Cardale on Friday's show. Thank you very much to the people's champ, Matt Baxendale. Um, and I'm, you know, people are very happy they can now see uh, Bax's pretty face, so that's good. Um, spreading the love across Buckeye Nation is Matt Baxendale. Hey, thanks to all the listeners and viewers out there. We really appreciate that. If you like the show, like, subscribe, give us a five-star review. All that stuff helps. We really appreciate it. Thanks so much for tuning in. I hope everyone has a great day. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.